0: Chapter Fourteen of Trails End. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeff Chestnut. Trails End by George W. Ogden. Chapter Fourteen Some Fool with a Gun. Morgan was roused out of his brief sleep at the Elkhorn Hotel shortly after sunrise by the night telegrapher at the railroad station who came with a telegram. "'I thought you'd like to have it as soon as possible,' the operator said, in apology for his early intrusion, standing by Morgan's bed, Tom Conboy attending just outside the door with ear primed to pick up the smallest word. "'Sure. Much obliged,' Morgan returned. His voice hoarse with broken sleep, his head not instantly clear of its flying clouds. The operator lingered while Morgan ran his eye over the few words. Much obliged, old feller, Morgan said warmly, giving the young man a quick look of understanding that must serve in place of more words, seeing that Conboy had his head within the door. Morgan heard the operator denying Conboy the secret of the message in the hall outside his door. Conboy had lived long enough in Ascalon to know when to curb his curiosity. He tiptoed away from Morgan's door, repressing his desire behind his beard. Knowing that he could not sleep again after that abrupt break in his rest, Morgan rose and dressed. Once or twice he referred again to the message that lay spread on his pillow. Craddock wired Peden last night that he would arrive on Number Seven at one twenty this afternoon that was the content of the message not a telegram at all but a friendly note of warning from the night operator who had come over to the hotel to go to bed the young man had shrewdly adopted this means to cover his information knowing that petun's wrath was mighty and his vengeance far-reaching nobody in town could question the delivery of a telegram morgan had expected craddock to hasten back and attempt to recover his sceptre and resume his sway over ascalon where the destructive sickle of his passion for blood could be plied with safety under the shelter of his prostituted office but he did not expect him to return so soon it pleased him better that the issue was to be brought to a speedy trial between them while he had his feet wet he reasoned he would just as well cross the stream conboy was sweeping the office having laid the thick of the dust with a sprinkling can he paused in his work to give morgan a shrewd sharp look important news when it pulls the man out of bed this early conboy ventured and him needn't sleep like you do yes said morgan going on to the door conboy came after him voice lowered almost to a whisper as he spoke eyes turning about as if he expected a spy to bob up behind his counter, I heard it passed around last night that Craddock was coming back. Wasn't he expected to? Morgan inquired indifferently, wholly undisturbed. Conway watched him keenly, standing half behind him to note any sign of panic or uneasiness that would tell him which side he should support with his valuable sympathy and profound philosophy from the way things point i think they're looking for him back today," he said the quicker the sooner morgan replied in offhand cowboy way Conboy was left on middle ground not certain whether morgan would flee before the arrival of the man whose powers he had usurped or stand his ground and shoot it out it was an uncomfortable moment a man must be on one side or the other to be safe in the history of ascalon it was the neutral who generally got knocked down and trampled and lost his pocketbook and watch as happens to the gaping non-participants in the squabbles of humanity everywhere from what i hear going around conboy continued dropping his voice to a cautious confidential pitch there'll be a bunch of bad men along in a day or two to help craddock hold things down it looks to me like it's going to be more than any one man can handle it may be that way morgan said lingering in the door conboy doing his talking from the rear morgan was thinking the morning had a freshness in it like a newly gathered flower it'll mean part closed and part open if that man takes hold of this town again conboy said him and peden they're as thick as three in a bed close all of em like you did last night or give everybody a fair whack that's what i say yes abstractedly from morgan it was kind of quiet and slow in town last night slowest night i've ever had since i bought this dump i guess i'd have to move away if things run along that way but i don't know maybe business would pick up when people got used to the new deal going to let em open tonight night's a long way off morgan said leaving the question open for conboy to make what he could out of it Conboy was of the number who could see no existence for Ascalon but a vicious one, yet he was no partisan of Seth Craddock, having a soreness in his recollection of many indignities suffered at the hands of the city marshal's Texas friends, even of Craddock's overriding and sardonic disdain. Yet, he would rather have Craddock and the town open than Morgan and stagnation. He came to that conclusion with Morgan's evasion of his direct question the interests of peden and his kind were conboy's interests he stood like a housemaid with dustpan and broom to gather up the wreckage of the night when can i get breakfast morgan inquired turning suddenly catching conboy with his new resolution in his shifty flickering eyes reading him to the marrow of his bones it's a little early not half-past five convoy returned covering his confusion as well as he could by referring to his thick silver watch we don't begin to serve till six the earliest of em don't come in before then if you feel like turning in for a sleep we'll take care of you when you get up morgan said he had enough sleep to carry him over for the day dora yawning dishevelled appeared in the dining-room door at that moment tying her all-enveloping white apron around her like poor polly bond she blushed when she saw morgan and put up her hands to smooth her hair i had the best sleep last night i can remember in a coon's age i felt so safe she said you was always safe enough conboy told her not in the best of humor safe enough i can show you five bullet holes in the walls of my room mr morgan one of them through the head of my bed pretty close morgan said answering the animation of her rosy friendly face with a smile never mind about the bullet holes you go and begin making holes in a piece of biscuit dough her father commanded when i get good and ready said dora serenely you wouldn't care if we got shot to pieces every night as long as we could get up in the morning and make biscuits "'Yes, and some of you'd be rooting around somebody else's kitchens for biscuits to fill your craws if this town lay dead a little while longer,' Conboy fired back, his true feeling in the matter revealed. "'I can get the job of a biscuit-shooter any day,' Dora told him, untroubled by the outlook of disaster that attended upon peace and quiet. "'I'd rather not have no guests than drunks that come in stagger-blind and shoot the plaster off the wall.' it ain't so funny to wake up with your ears full of lime ma's sick of it and i'm sick of it and it'd be a blessing if mr morgan would keep the joints all shut till the drunks in this town dried up like dead snakes you and your ma conboy grumbled bearing on an old grievance an old theme of servitude and discontent morgan recalled the gaunt anxiety of mrs conboy's eyes hollow of every motion as they seemed but unrest and straining fear dora had gone unmarked yet by the cursed fires of ascalon only her tongue discovered that the poison of their fumes had reached her heart i'd like to put strychnine in some of their biscuits dora declared with passionate vehemence tat tat no niggers how's your face mr morgan dora inquired out of one mood into another so quickly the transition was bewildering face said morgan embarrassed for want of her meaning oh putting his hand to the forgotten wound about well thank you miss dora i guess my good looks are ruined though dora half closed her eyes in arch expression pursing her lips as if she meant to give him either a whistle or a kiss laughed merrily and ran off to cut patterns in a sheet of biscuit dough she left such a clearness and good humor in the morning air that morgan felt quite light at heart As he started for a morning walk morgan was still wearing the cowboy garb that he had drawn from the bottom of his trunk among the things which he believed belonged to a past age and closed period of his life story he had deliberated the question well the night before reaching the conclusion that as he had stepped out of his proper character lapsed back in a word to raw-handed dealings with the rough edges of the world he would better dress the part he would be less conspicuous in that dress and it would be his introduction and credentials to the men of the range last night's long vigil tramping around the square in his high-heeled tight-fitting boots had not hastened the cure of his bruised ankles and sore feet this morning he limped like a trapped wolf as he said to himself when he started to take a look around and see whether any of the outlawed had made bold to open their doors few people were out of bed in ascalon at that hour although the sun was almost an hour high as morgan passed along he heard the crackling of kindling being broken in kitchens here and there eager smoke of fresh fires rose straight toward the blue no stores were open yet the doors of the saloons remained closed as the night before Morgan paused at the bank corner after making the round of the square ahead of him. The principal resident street of the town stretched the houses standing in exclusive withdrawal, far apart on large plots of ground, a treeless, dusty, unlovely lane. Here the summer sun raked roof and window with its untempered fire. Here, the winds of winter bombarded door and pane with shrapnel of sleet and charge of snow whistling on cornice and eaves, fluttering in chimney like the beat of exhausted wings. Morgan knew well enough how the place would appear in that bitter season. He had lived in the lonely desolation of a village on the bald, unsheltered plain. How did Red Thayer endure the winter, he wondered, when she could not gallop away into the friendly solitude of the clean, unpeopled prairie? Where did she live? which house would be judge thayer's among the bright painted dwellings along that raw lane he favored one of the few white ones a house with a wide porch screened by morning glory vines a gallant row of hollyhocks in the distance lawn grass had been sown in many of the yards where it had flourished until the scorching summer drought even now there were little rugs of green against north walls where the noonday shadows fell but the rest of the lawns were withered and brown some hardy flowers such as zinnias and marigolds stood clumped about door-yards in the kitchen gardens tasselled corn rose tall dust thick on the guttered blades morgan turned from this scene in which ascalon presented its better side to skirmish along the street running behind peden's establishment it might be well for future exigencies To fix as much of the geography of the place in his mind as possible. He wondered if there had been a back door traffic in any of the saloons last night as he passed long strings of empty beer kegs, concluding that it was very likely something had been done in that way. Across the street from Peden's back door was a large vacant piece of ground, a wilderness of cans, bottles, packing boxes, broken barrels. On one corner, Diagonally across from where Morgan stood, facing on the other street a ragged weathered tent was pitched. Out of this the sound of contending children came, the strident commanding voice of a woman breaking sharply to still the commotion that shook her unstable home. Morgan knew this must be the home of the cattle thief whose case Judge Thayer had undertaken. He wondered why even a cattle thief would choose that site at the back door of perdition to pitch his tent and lodge his family a bullet clipping close past his ear the sharp sound of a pistol shot behind him startled him out of this speculation morgan did not believe at once even as he wheeled gun in hand to confront the careless gun handler or the assassin as the case might prove that the shot could have been intended for him but out of caution he darted as quickly as an indian behind a pyramid of beer kegs From that shelter he explored in the direction of the shot, but saw nobody. There was ample barrier for a lurking man all along the street on Peden's side. From behind beer cases and kegs, whiskey barrels, wagons, corners of small houses, one could have taken a shot at him, or from a window or back door. There was no smoke hanging to mark the spot. Morgan slipped softly from his concealment, coming out at peden's back door bending low he hurried back over the track he had come keeping the heaps of kegs barrels and boxes between him and the road and there twenty yards or so distant in a space between two wagons he saw a man standing pistol in hand all set and primed for another shot but looking rather puzzled and uncertain over the sudden disappearance of his mark morgan was upon him in a few silent strides unseen and unheard his gun raised to throw a quick shot of the situation called for it the man was dell hutton the county treasurer his face was white there was the look in his eyes of a man condemned when he turned and confronted morgan who was it that shot at you morgan he inquired his voice husky in the fog of his fright He was laboring hard to put a face on it that would have made him the champion of peace. He peered around with simulated caution, as if he had rushed to the spot ready to uphold the law. Morgan let the pitiful effort pass for what it was worth, and that was very little. I don't know who it was, Hutton, he replied with a careless laugh, putting his pistol away. If you see him, tell him I let a little thing like that pass. Once. Morgan did not linger for any further words several shock-haired children had come bursting from the tent their contention silenced they stood looking at morgan as he came back into the road wonder in their muggy faces heads appeared at windows back doors opened cautiously showing eyes at cracks some fool shooting off his gun morgan heard a man growl as he passed under a window of a thin-sided house from which the excited voices of women came like squeaks of unnested mice what was going on back there conboy inquired as morgan approached the hotel the proprietor was a little way out from his door anxiety rather than interest in his face some fool shooting off his gun i guess morgan replied feeling that the answer fitted the case very well he gave Dora the same explanation when she met him at the blue door of the dining-room, trouble in her fair blue eyes. She looked at him with keen questioning, not satisfied that she had heard it all. "'I hope he burn his fingers,' she said. End of chapter 14 Recording by Jeff Chestnut